A number of years ago, my wife Pat and I attended a birthday party. It was for one of my dad's first cousins, so everybody else was a generation above us. And Pat and I just kind of hung out in the kitchen so the older people could have the seats in the living room. And then the, the owner of the house, he was actually putting dishes in the dishwasher. And he was taking them out. He put them back in. He kept reorganizing. He said there's, just, there's one way to fill this dishwasher so that it will be work the best, so that I will get the most value for my money. And Pat and I just kind of laughed at him. You know, oh, that silly old man. Well, when we renovated our kitchen in 2014... We got a new dishwasher, and there's just one way to load that dishwasher. I've become like this man. Like we have some forks that are too thick to go in the fork area, so I have a way of switching them around. And then there's a certain way to put the butter in the butter dish, and the list just goes on like that. Now, what right do Christians have to say that our way is the only way to get to heaven and to God? Isn't that arrogant? Isn't that intolerant? Isn't that exclusive for us to say that? I'm so pleased that I don't have to make this statement on my own, that I can go to God's Word, because in there it very clearly states that there is only one way to Him, and it's through His Son, Jesus Christ. So in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus gives us what is probably his most politically incorrect uh, statement. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. The only way to the Father is through me. And when he says the only way, that word way actually is the same Greek word that was used for road. And other translations actually have him saying, I am the road back to God. So it's biblically correct to say that, but at the same time, it's politically incorrect. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at some road signs that people believe would actually be a lot more accurate in describing the road that leads to God. And the first sign, as you see up here, is a merge sign. So this is where you have two roads or two lanes that come together into one, and then everybody ends up in the same place. So you have all these different religions. And people say, it doesn't matter what you believe, uh, they all have an equal claim to the truth. Uh, they all come together and lead to the same place. They lead to God. And many people believe this. And the root for this is actually called pluralism. So pluralism is a politically correct idea that all religions are basically true and that they all lead to God. You just pick one and then you sincerely follow it. The test isn't necessarily truth, it is sincerity. So pluralism is like a spiritual buffet. You take your plate and you kind of walk along the buffet table. Oh, I'll have a bowl of Islam, I'll have a slice of Hinduism. Ooh, a side dish of Buddhism would be nice. And then a scoop or two of New Age, then a little bit of Scientology on the top, and then I'll add some Christianity in there as well. According to a survey, 64% of people believe that when Christians, Buddhists, and Muslims pray, they're actually praying to the same God. So if this sign is true, and all faiths really do merge together, if we're talking about the same God, 
then God must be very confused. Like, you could even call him schizophrenic. But God told Mohammed that the place to worship was Mecca. That's where you were to go and worship. And then he tells Christians, it doesn't matter where you can worship. You can approach me at any time. So we say, okay, come on, God. Make up your mind here. And then what about men and women? Some religions teach that it's okay for men to dominate women. Well, Christianity teaches that we're supposed to put one another's needs before our own. And then there's the issue of salvation or the afterlife. Some religions teach that you die and then you just kind of cease to exist. Uh, Or other religions teach nirvana. Some teach incarnation. Others teach about heaven. So how can they all say that they're going to the same place when they don't even want to go to the same place? Now, here's another sign that many people think leads to God, and that's you know, men working or men at work. And many people and religions teach that the way you get to God is by this road that you just kind of work your way along. You keep doing good things, and you avoid bad things, and eventually you'll work yourself to the end of that road, thus work your way to God. Now, Christianity is so different from other religions in the world in this respect because we, one guy explained it this way, actually. I've used this before. He said, we can use the words do and done to separate Christianity from every other world religion. Every other religion says you have to do something, but Christianity says Jesus has done for us what we could never do for ourselves. So other faiths teach things like you have to pray five times a day, the same time every day. They'll say you have to give alms, or you use a prayer wheel, or you eat the right kind of foods, and you avoid other ones. All kinds of innumerable possibilities. And then after you're done with all of that, then you'll make it to God. But as Christians, we believe that we are saved not through what we do, but through what Jesus has already done for us. Now, you can see the distinction between do and done when you look at different stories told by various faith systems. Because in Buddhist literature, there's a story that is quite similar to what we find in Luke chapter 15. It's a story about a man who had two sons, and the youngest son wanted his inheritance. The father gave it to him, and the son took it, and went off, lived a wild life, and when all the money was gone, he decided that he was going to go back to his father. But that's where the story kind of gets different. This is what we're familiar with in Luke 15. I will go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against God in heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your workers. And the younger son got up, and start it back toward his father, and he's practicing, saying that over and over again. Like, I'm no longer worthy to be your son. Like, treat me like one of your hired workers. And then, as he was approaching the house, his father saw him, and his father ran to him, and he hugged him, and he called out to his workers, and he said, look, get the best clothes, come and put them on him. Give him a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Get the best calf and and butcher it so we can eat and celebrate. 
This son of mine was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and has now been found. And they began to celebrate. But in Buddhist literature, here's how the story ends. The son comes home, but then there's this whole series of things that he has to do. He has to serve his father. He has to work for his father. One of them is shoveling manure. So I know that, growing up on a firm. But, and then after a number of years of serving his father, he finally earns his father's favor and is eventually accepted back again. So there's a big difference there. Titus 3, 5 says, He saved us because of his mercy and not because of any good things that we have done. God washed us by the power of the Holy Spirit. He gave us new birth and a fresh beginning. So we don't get into heaven by trying really hard. We get into heaven by having faith in Jesus Christ. Now here's a road sign that describes two-thirds of the world's population, and it's this, like wrong way. Now, it's certainly not popular for me to say that, to tell someone that they're going the wrong way. It's not acceptable in our society. It's difficult to step up, to speak out, and to stand for the truth. My daughters are exceptionally gifted athletes. And I say exceptionally because they get that from me. Like, and, and when Shannon, and their mother is a good athlete too, by the way, so they couldn't lose on that one. And by the way, Shannon's singing ability, my middle daughter, you hear her up leading worship, like, her mom and I can sing, you know. It's, like, it's not all just her. But anyway, so Shannon was playing uh, a number of sports in grade 7. She made the A soccer team. She made the A volleyball team and excelled at those because she had played those sports before. But then the, vo- the basketball coach said, Wow, you're such a natural athlete. Come play basketball. She had never played it before. And she was doing okay. But then one game, it, it was the second half. They had just switched ends. And Shannon starts off with the ball going toward her own basket. And I'm yelling out, Shannon, you're going the wrong way. But she's so into it, she's not listening. And I'm just watching. Fortunately, she missed the shot. because <laughs> She wasn't a very good basketball player. But in our country, people are free to choose the way they want to go, but it's very hard to tell them they're going the wrong way because they don't think they're going the wrong way. So when we tell them that, they get defensive and they feel like we're attacking them. All religions can't be equally true. Logically, all religions would have to be wrong or one would have to be right and all the rest of them would have to be wrong. But why? Because each one has mutually exclusive claims. So there's no way that they can all be right because they contradict one another. So for me to say that my way is right and someone else's way is wrong will get me labeled as intolerant. And that's a word you hear a lot more these days. And it has two meanings. There's traditional intolerance, which says that I can value and accept somebody else without agreeing with their beliefs or their behaviors. And Jesus modeled this type of tolerance. He ate with tax collectors. He touched the lepers. He actually healed the daughter of a Gentile woman. And then he came to the aid of a woman who had been caught committing adultery. 
But he never sacrificed truth for tolerance. Remember, he told that woman, now go and leave that life of sin. So he balanced uncompromising truth with unconditional love. And that's the type of tolerance that we need more of in our world. But there's a new tolerance that's used most of the time today. And that's the fact that every individual's beliefs, values, and lifestyles are equally valid and all truth is relevant. To be truly tolerant in our society today, I have to be able to say that your truth is just as good as mine is for me. So under this type of tolerance, a few words have actually been redefined. And, and one of them is disagreement that you see up here. That is now actually labeled as hatred. So when I tell someone that I'm on the right road and they're kind of on the wrong road, and if they don't get on the right road with me, then it's going to be a problem for them. But when I say that, it's going to bring about some pretty strong emotions. But just because the gospel message is offensive to some people doesn't mean that we have to be offensive to people. We need to balance truth with love. The 1 Peter 3:15 But I respect Christ as the holy Lord in excuse me, but respect Christ as the holy Lord in your hearts. Always be ready to answer everyone who asks you to explain about the hope you have. So when I disagree with someone, I say, listen, the road you're going on is the wrong way, but I do it with love and I do it with respect because if we don't speak the truth with love, we actually lose our chance to be heard. Sometimes the most loving thing we can do is disagree with someone. Let's say I'm traveling in the car with a buddy and we're going somewhere that I've been but he hasn't been to. And he makes the wrong turn. And you just like you don't want to speak up. You don't want to be too aggressive. Uh, but you need to talk. You need to say, uh, this is the wrong way. See, there's another word that's been redefined, and it's the word conviction, because that is now labeled as fanaticism. Uh, under the new tolerance, there's supposedly no absolute truth. There's no right way. So then there's no truth worth defending. So when I defend my truth and I'm convicted about what I believe, I get labeled as a religious fanatic. And there's a third word here that's been redefined, and that's the word gospel. When I tell someone I'm going the right way, and unless you get going in my direction, you're not going to make it, then that exposes me as a religious racist, guilty of spiritual discrimination. See, the world tells us that the politically correct thing to do is just kind of watch everybody going the wrong way. Like, that's the decision they've made, so we, we just let them go. And even if they're going to end up at a spiritual dead end, the most loving thing I can do is just let them do their own thing. But that's not showing love for someone because love just can't ignore the truth. Now, it's difficult in the time we live in to tell people they're going the wrong way. But if Jesus is the one way and the only way to God, then we have to speak up. And it's the only loving thing that we can do.
Now, Jesus said that there's another sign which best describes the road to God, and that is this one, one way. Like this verse in John 14, 6 again. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. The only way to the Father is through me. So here's the way Peter puts it in Acts 4.12. Only Jesus has the power to save. His name is the only one in all the world that can save anyone. Now, if that's true, then I'd have to say it's not narrow-minded because it's based on truth. It's based on evidence. It's never narrow-minded or intolerant to make a decision based on truth. I just want to read you something that Lee Strobel said in his book, God's Outrageous Claims, because he tells the story about a couple whose newborn daughter developed jaundice, and they took her to the doctor. doctor diagnosed it, and the doctor explained that this is a potentially devastating disorder. But there's a simple cure. All they had to do was put their daughter under a light, and the skin will absorb that light and stimulate the liver to function properly. Now imagine the parents saying to the doctor, well, that just seems too easy. Just putting our daughter under a light is just too simple. What if we scrubbed her really, really well, then dipped her in bleach and scrubbed her some more? Wouldn't her skin color eventually return to normal? And the doctor would say, you don't understand. There's only one way to cure jaundice. She has to be exposed to the light. Maybe the couple would say, well, we don't like this one-way thing. Give us some more options. What if we just pretended like everything was okay? What if we sincerely believe our daughter was supposed to be yellow? And wouldn't everything be okay in the end if we sincerely believed? And the doctor would have to say, you could sincerely, sincerely believe, but you'd be sincerely wrong. You're hesitant because it sounds too easy or too simple. And there's only one way. But this is how you cure jaundice. Now, I would imagine that eventually the doctor would point behind his desk and he would say, you know, look at my degrees here. Like, I'm a doctor. I've cured hundreds of babies with jaundice. You can just trust me based on my credentials. See, would it be intolerant or narrow-minded for that couple to say, we're going to choose the one way to cure our daughter of jaundice? It's not narrow-minded to act on the truth. See, the truth is we all have a terminal disease, and it's called sin. And there's only one cure, and that is the blood of Jesus Christ. And we can trust him because he's the only one with the right credentials. That he fulfilled the prophecies. He worked powerful miracles. He lived a perfect life. He died an atoning death. He went to the cross for us, and he rose from the grave. So we can trust what he says. So some of us could say, what if we scrubbed really hard? You know, what if we tried to earn our way to God? You could try. You could work as hard as you wanted to. But some of us might also say, what if we tried some other way? You could try it, but you wouldn't get to where you want to go. What if we sincerely believe we don't have a problem with sin? Wouldn't everything be okay? You can sincerely believe that, but you would sincerely be wrong. There's only one cure for our sin problem, and that's Jesus Christ. Like John 8, 24. 
That is why I said you will die with your sins unforgiven. If you don't have faith in me for who I am, you will die and your sins will not be forgiven. See, if that's true, then it's not narrow-minded to say, that's the road I want to take. It's not arrogant to say, Jesus is the only way, because it's not based on anything that I've done. It's based completely on what he has already done. So we're not glorifying ourselves in this. We're glorifying God. Romans 3.23, everyone has sinned, and fallen short of God's glorious standard. So that means not one of us is good enough. So there's no room for pride. There's no room for prejudice or arrogance in there. And then verse 24 says, And all need to be made right with God by his grace, which is a free gift. They need to be made free from sin through Jesus Christ. So that explains why Jesus has to be the way. Like We had this sin that separated us from God, and we've fallen short. I like the way that translation puts it, of God's glorious standard. Jesus made us right by paying the price for our penalty and dying an atoning death. He took our place on the cross, and we just simply have to accept him. If there was another way, if there was a plan B, then God would have been foolish to send his son, Jesus, to die on the cross. We would have actually had to check Jesus' IQ for going through with all of that pain and suffering and that needless death if there was some other way. If there was some other way, this would have gone down differently. But there wasn't any other way. Remember when Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane? that he knew that in a few hours he was going to be killed. He knew there wasn't any other way, but there was something, that human part of him that was saying, you know, if there is, let me know now. So in Matthew 26, from the message, this is just a paraphrase, but he said, going a little ahead, he fell on his face praying, my father, if there is any way, get me out of this, but please, not what I want, you what you want. But there was no other way, and Jesus was nailed to the cross. The last thing I want to say is that it's not exclusive to say that Jesus is the only way because this offer is available to everyone. Now, the speaker at Jesus to the Nations last night stole a little bit of my message here, so I'm going to steal part of his. He quoted John 3.16, and he said this isn't exclusive because John 3 says that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that he used the old, uh, King James, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So it's not exclusive to say that Jesus is the only way because it's offered to everybody. Anyone can become a part of his family by accepting Christ as their Lord and Savior. So it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what your story is. It doesn't matter what your background is, your heritage, or anything like that. It doesn't matter. Anyone can come to God through faith. So 1 Peter 3.18, Christ died once for our sins, an innocent person died for those who are guilty. Christ did this to bring you to God when his body was put to death and his spirit was made alive. 
As we close, I'm sure that some of you are asking this question. Isn't it unfair to say that there's only one way to God? Or why did God only make one way? And my answer to that is, I'm so glad that we have any way at all. And And I wonder, why did God even make a way? Maybe it's time to quit complaining about there only being one way and just being grateful that there is a way at all. For us to have a way at all costs Jesus his life. Let's just be glad that he gives us that invitation. So maybe you're traveling down a road that's not the Jesus road, and you're feeling that, you know, now is the time. You're just feeling called to get on that road with Jesus. You're going to turn your life over to him. It's basically making a U-turn and going in Jesus' direction. You can do that. You can move toward him. Make that decision.